Chapter Eleven of the Wonderful Adventures of Fra the Phoenician by Edwin Lester Arnold. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Now, when that fair young English girl, at her father's voice, turned to acknowledge my presence, thinking it was some other new knight of the many who came there every hour, she lifted her eyes to mine, and then, all on a sudden, without rhyme or reason, she started back and blanched whiter than her own wimple and then flushed again equally unaccountably and fell a-trembling and staring at me in a wondrous fashion she came a step forward as though she would greet some long-looked-for friend and then withdrew and half held out her hand and took it back the while the colour came and went upon her cheeks in quick flushes and stirred by some strange emotion her bosom rose and fell under the golden cestus and the lawn with the stress of her feelings the sudden storm however invoked shook that sweet fabric most mightily there in that very minute it seemed there in that merry careless place in sight of me but a gaudy gallant a little more thoughtful-looking perhaps than those she often saw yet all the same naught but a stranger gallant unknown and nameless to her moved by some affinity within us just as the alchemist's magic touch converts between two breaths one elixir in his crucibles to another so before my eyes i saw in that fair girl's pallid face love flush through her veins and light her heart and eyes with a responding blush and i i the unhappy i the sorrow bestower as i saw her first what of all things in this wide world should i think of what should leap up in my mind as i perked my gilded scabbard and bowed low to the polished oaken floor in my glittering plantagenet finery what vision should come to me in that latter-day hall among those mandolin fingering courtiers before that costly raimented maiden the fair heiress of a thousand years of care and gentle living that girl leaning frightened and shy upon the arm of her strong father like a soft white mist-cloud in the shadow of a mountain what thought what idea but a swift revision of blodwin my wild ruddy untutored british wife all those gaudy butterflies of the new day that stately home and that fair flower herself shrank into nothing and as the white lightning leaps through the dull void of midnight and shows for one dazzling second some long-remembered country a shine in every leaf and detail to the startled pilgrim and then is gone with all the ghostly mirage of its passage so in that surprising moment so full of import blodwin rose to my mind against all reason and likelihood blodwin the briton the ruddy-haired blodwin radiant with her gentle motherhood blodwin who could scream so fiercely to her clansmen in the forefront of conflict and drive her bloody chariot through the red mud of battle with wounded foemen writhing under her remorseless wheels more blithely than a latter-day maid would trip through the spangled meadow-grass of springtime blodwin rose before me oh twas wild twas foolish past explaining nonsense and angry with myself and that white maid who stood and hung her head before me i stroked my hand across my face to rid me of the fancy and gathering myself together made my bow murmuring something fiercely civil and turned my back upon her to seek another group yes but if you think i conquered that fancy you are wrong 
for days and days it haunted me even though i laughed it to scorn and what made the matter more difficult more perplexing was that i had not guessed in error the unhappy isabel had loved me from first sight and against every precedent her nature would have warranted grew daily deeper in the toils and i who never yet had turned from the eyes of suppliant maid watched her colour shift and fly as i came or went and strode gloomy unmindful through all her pretty artifices of maiden tenderness burning the meanwhile with love for her disdainful sister it was a strange medley and in one phase or another pursued me all the time i was in that noble keep when i was not wooing i was being wooed alas and all the coldness i got from that black-browed lady with the goddess carriage and the faultless skin i passed on to the poor enamoured girl who dogged my idle footsteps for a word thus on one day we had a tournament all round the great castle under the oaks were pitched the tents of the troopers while the pennons and bannerets of knights and barons as we saw them from the turret top shone in the sunlight like a field of flowers the soldier yeomen had their sports and contests on the greensward and we went down to watch them thor but i never saw such bronzed and stalwart fellows or witnessed anything like the truth and straightness of those stinging flights of shafts the archers sent against their butts then the next day following the sports of the common people in the tilt-yard inside the barbican we held a tawny a mock battle and a breaking of spears a very gorgeous show indeed and near as exciting as an honest melee itself so tuneful in my ears proved the shivering of lances and the clatter of swords on the steel panoply of the knights that though at first i held aloof stern and gloomy with my futile passion yet presently i itched to take a spear and since those sparkling riders liked the fun so much to let them try whether my right hand had lost the cunning it learnt before their fathers were conceived and as i thought so standing among the chief ones in that brilliant tawny ring up came the white rose and tempted me to break a lance and sighed so softly and brushed against me with her scented draperies and tried with feeble self-command to meet my eyes and could not and was so obviously wishful that i should ride a course or two and so prettily in love that i was near relenting of any coldness i did unbend so much as to consent to mount a page fetched my armour and my mighty black charger draped in crimson blazoned velvet and ribboned from head to tail and then i went to the rear of the lists and put on the steel thanks good squire i said to the youth who thrust my pointed toes into the stirrups when i was on my horse now give me up my gauntlets and post me in my principles fie sir not to know quoth he the worship of weapons and the honour of fair ladies thanks that is not difficult to remember and as to my practice ah there you confuse him put in a jester standing by no good knight likes to be bound too closely as to that as i rode round the lists a white hand from under the sister's dais to whom belonging i well could guess threw me a flower the which fell under my sleek charger's hoofs and was stamped into the trodden mould and then the trumpet sounded avant called the glittering marshal and we met in mid-career 
seven strong knights did i jerk from their high-peaked saddles that morning and won a lady's golden head-ring and rode round about the circus with it on my lance-point when i came under where isabel sat i saw her fair cheeks redder than my ribbons with maiden expectation but as i passed without a sign they grew whiter than her lawn and then i reined up and deposited that circlet at the footstool of her sister the proud cold maid accepted the homage as was her duty but scarcely deigned to lower her eyes to the level of my helmet plumes while her father put it on her forehead a merry time we had in that courtly place waiting for the signal to start and much did i learn and note soon the favourite gallant in that goodly company the acknowledged strongest spearman in the lists the best teller of strange stories by an evening fire but never an inch of way could i make with the impenetrable girl on whom my wayward heart was set while the other the younger made her sweet self the pointing stock of high and low she was so blindly so obviously in love one day it came to a climax we met by chance in a glade of black shadows among the cedar branches i and that damsel in white and finding i would not woo her she set to work and wooed me so sweet so strong so passionate that to this day i cannot think how i withstood it yes and that fair slim maid renowned through all the districts for her gentle reticence when i would not answer love with love and glance for glance fired up with white-hot passion threw hesitance to the wind and besought and knelt to me and asked no more than to be my slave so sweet so reckless in her passion that it was not the high-born english lady who knelt there but rather it seemed to me my dear fiery untutored british princess fool i was not to see it then witless after so much not to guess the tameless spirit the intruder soul that poor girl at my feet held unwitting in her bosom she came to me as i have said all in a gust of feeling unlike herself and when i would not say that which she longed to hear she wrung her hands and then down she came upon her knees and clipped me round my jewelled belt and confessed her love for me in such a headlong rush of tearful eloquence i durst not write it lady i said lifting the supple girl to her feet i grieve but it is useless forget forgive i cannot answer as you would ah but she answered rushing again to the onset sighing as now the hot strange love that burnt within her and now her sweet native spirit strove for mastery surely i think i am possessed i will not take no for an answer i am consumed oh fie to say it for thee i am not first in thy dear affection why then i will be second not second then i will be the hundredth from thy heart my light my life and fate i cannot live without thee oh as you were born by your mother's consummated love as thou hast ever felt compunction for a white-cheeked maid have pity on me i tell thee i will follow thee to the ends of the earth lord how my tongue runs on for one moiety of that affection perhaps a happier woman has i will serve thee through life thou hast no wife tis said to hinder thou art a soldier and a score of them ere i was touched with this strange infection have sued hopeless for but a chance of that which is proffered thee so freely truth 
they have told me i was fair and tall with a complexion that ridiculed the water-lilies on the moat and hair one said was like ripe corn with a harvest sun upon it it makes me blush i heard her whisper to herself to apprise myself like this and yet you stand averse and sullen with eyes turned from me and deaf ears am i a sight so dreadful to you maid i cried shutting out her suppliant beauty from my heart overfull as i thought it of that other one her sister no man could look at you and not be moved the wayward immortals have given you more sweetness than near any other woman i ever saw a sight so dreadful to me why you are fairer than an early morning in may when the new sun gets up over the wet flowered hawthorns and for this very reason for pity on us both stand up and dry your tears believe me dear maid where i go you cannot come you tread the rough soldier's path why those pretty velvet buskins would wear out in the first march and turn those dainty hands to the rough craft of war to scouring harness and grooming chargers oh that were miserable indeed those cherry lips are worse suited than you know for the chance fare of camp and watchfire and these round arms would soon find a sword was heavier than a bodkin there again forget forgive and perhaps when i come back but why should i further follow that sad love scene under the broad spreading cedars let it be sufficient for you that i soothed her as well as might be and staunched her tears and modified my coolness taking her pretty hands and whispering to as dainty and greedy an ear as ever was open to hear perhaps a little more of lover-friendliness than i truly meant and so we parted now see the shield turned that very afternoon did the other sister unbend a point with cruel suavity and set me joyous by promising to meet me at nightfall whereat as you will readily understand every other event of the day faded into nothingness at the appointed hour just as the white mist floated in thin fine wisps from the shadowed moat on the eastward of the castle wall and the red setting sun was throwing the strong black shadows of cedar branches upon the copper gleaming windows and walls of the side that faced him i rose and making some jesting excuse slipped away from my noisy comrades in the hall into the shadows of the corridors yes and though you may smile he who thought this phoenician had plumbed the well of mortal love to the very depth had learnt all there was to learn and left nothing that could stir him so much as a heart-beat in this fair field of adventure was now tripping through the ruddy and black dusk anxious and alert his pulses beating a quicker measure than his feet the native boldness of his nature all overlaid with new-born diffidence fingering his silken points as he went and conning pretty speeches now hoping in his lover hesitance the tryst would not be kept and then anon spurning himself for being so laggard and faint-hearted and thus progressing in moods and minds as many as the gentle shadows chequering his path from many an oriel window and many a fluted casement he came at length within sight of the deep-set window looking down over the pale shining water and the heavy woods beyond where his own love-tale was to be told and there as i plucked back the last tapestry that barred my passage and stood still for a moment on the threshold there before me 
sitting on the trestles under the mullions in the twilight was the figure of my fair and haughty english girl she had her face turned away from the evening glow her ample white cap peaked and laced with gold on either crescent point further threw into shadow the features i knew so well while the fine shapely hands lay hidden in the folds of the ample dress which shone and glimmered in the dusk against the oak panellings of that ancient lobby in misty uncertainty gentle dame my heart bounded with expectant triumph to see how pensive and downcast was her look how still she sat and how methought the white linen and the golden sanctuary above her heart rose and fell even in that silent place with the tumult of maidenly passion within my heart opened to her i say as though i were an enamoured shepherd about to pour a brand-new virgin love into the frightened ears of some timid country maid and within my veins as the heavy arras fell from my hands behind me there surged up the molten stream of eastern love i waited neither to see nor hear else but strode swiftly over the floor and cast myself down there at her feet upon one knee gods how it makes me smart to think of it i who had never bent a knee before in supplication to earth or heaven and poured out before her the offering of my passion hot and swiftly i wooed her saying i scarce know what loosening my heart before that silent shrine laying bare the keen strong throb of life and yearning that pulsed within me persuading entreating cajoling until both breath and fancy failed and never under all that stream of love had the damsel given one sign one single indication of existence then on i went again deeming the maid held herself not yet wooed enough disporting myself before her and pleading the simplicity of my love saying how that if it brought no great riches with it yet was it the treasure of a truthful heart did she sigh to widen her father's broad lands i swore by osiris i would do it for her love better than any petty lordling could did she desire to shine honoured above all women where spears were broken or feasts were spread think of yon littered lists i cried and told her there was not a champion in all the world i feared none who should not come humbled to her footstool while as for honour and recognition jove i would pluck them from the king himself even as i had plucked them from his betters yet never a sign that fair girl gave full of wonder and surprise i waited for a moment for some sign or show if not of answering fire at least of reason and then as i checked in full course my passionate pleadings that wretched thing before me burst not into the tears i expected of maidenly capitulation nor into the proud anger of offended virgins but into a silly plebeian simper which began in ludicrous smothered merriment under the folds of the lawn she held across her face and ended amid what appeared contending feelings in a rustic outburst of sobs and exclamations i was on my feet in an instant all my wild love-making dammed back upon my heart by suspicion and surprise and as i frowned fiercely at that dim-seen form under the distorting shadow of the windows it rose to nothing like alianora's height and stepped out where the evening light better illuminated us and there that poor traitress tore off in anger and remorse the lace and linen of a well-born english maiden 
and stood revealed before me the humblest the meanest seeming and the most despised kitchen wench of any that served in that baronial hall you will guess what my feelings were as this indignity i had been put to rushed upon me how in my wounded pride i crossed my arms savagely upon my breast and turned away from that poor simpering rustic fool and clenched my teeth and swore fierce oaths against that cruel girl who in her pride and insolence had played me this sorry trick wild and bitter were the gusts of passion that swept through my heart and all the more unruly since it was by and for a woman i had fallen and there was none for me to take vengeance on in a few minutes i turned to the wretched tool of a vixen mistress hast any explanation of this i sternly asked pointing to the disordered finery that lay glimmering upon the floor the unhappy kitchen-maid nodded behind her tears and the thick red hands wherewith she was streaking two wet round cheeks with alternate hues of grief and dinginess and put a hand into her bosom and handed me a folded missive i tore it open and read in prettily scrawled old norman french that cruel message this is to tell that nameless knight who has nothing to distinguish him but presumption that although the daughter of an english peer must ever treat his suit with the contempt it deserves yet will she go so far as to select him from among her father's vassals one to whom she thinks he might very fitly unburden his soul of its load of love and fealty such was the missive one surely penned by as ungentle a hand as ever ministered to a woman's heart i tore it into a hundred fragments and then grimly pointed my traducer to the narrow wicket in the remote wall leading down by a hundred stony stairs to the scullion places when she had come she turned and went a little way towards it then came sobbing back and burst out into grief anew and alas alas sir she cried this is the very worst task that ever i was put to shame upon lady eleonora and double shame upon me for doing her behests i'm sorry sir indeed i am until you began that wonderful tale i thought was but a merry game but oh sir to see you there upon your knee to see your eyes burning in the dark with true love for my false mistress why sir it would have drawn tears from the hardest stone in the mill down yonder and ever as your talk went on just now i kept saying to myself sure but it must be a big heart which works a tongue like that and when you had done sir ah before you were half way through though i could not stop you yet i loathed my errand i am sorry sir indeed i am i cannot go until i be forgiven there there silly girl i said my wrath quenched by her red eyes and humble amendment you are fully absolved she kissed my hands and dried her eyes and swept together with woman swiftness the tattered things in which she had masqueraded and then as she was about to leave i called her back stay one moment damsel how much had you for thus betraying me two zequins sir she answered with simplicity why then here's three others to say naught about this evening's doings in the servants hall you understand there go and no more tears or thanks and as the curtain fell upon her i could not help muttering to myself what two zequins to undo you fra and three to mend it why phoenician 
thou hast not been so cheap for thirteen hundred years end of chapter eleven